Welcome to Elevating Conversations, a podcast recipe for authentic conversations that lift you to new levels of confidence, clarity, and relief. In the first episodes of this weekly podcast, we discuss the conversational essentials for having satisfying conversations at work and at home. Using the conversational intelligence tools and resources for building trust will help you connect more deeply and discover shared understanding through conversation. Conversational intelligence is a way of being in the world and communications methodology that was pioneered by Judith E. Glazer with the Creating We Institute. This will be the focus of our first six episodes. By making high-level, trusting communications the norm, we'll create a ripple revolution for the future of workplace cultures. Join me, Deb Shannon, and my co-host, Mary Stellatello, for this introductory mini-series. Later in the series, I'll introduce guests who are world-changing leaders, who have led conversations that shine light on what is going right, and how the most difficult conversations are beacons of a positive future in today's rapidly changing world. In today's episode of Elevating Conversations, Mary and I talk about assumptions and how they affect relationships. Teams and leaders can be highly effective once they make it a practice to recognize assumptions and to consider that another person's perspectives and experiences could create exciting opportunities for growth. We'll discuss tools to remap relationships towards greater trust by bringing this new awareness to conversations. When things start to go awry, it's often due to conversational assumptions. Let's take a look at how we can open ourselves to new influences rather than rely on old assumptions. Hey, Deb, we're back again for another episode. How are you coming into today's call? Hey, Mary. It is just great to hear your voice again. I have a full and exciting day ahead of me. So thoughts of whether I'll be able to give each person and the client group like the full attention that they deserve is a present concern. I have these moments where I just think, will I be enough in their moment, not just in mine? Can I do my best for every single one of them throughout a long day? So I'll manage it. How about you? What's going on with you, Mary? I have no doubt you will be fully present with all your clients. So I'm with you there. You know, Deb, I was reflecting on the first time I actually presented this concept of conversational blind spots. And it was a team that worked in the disability rights field. And when I proposed this idea of talking about conversational blind spots, the team lead actually shared with me that this term, blind spot, was really not well received in the disability rights community because it was more ableist language. And it really made this assumption that people who are visually impaired are blind are actually less capable when in fact it's simply just that they have a different way of obtaining information. And it was so enlightening for me to hear that perspective. It was like it was a conversational intelligence moment for me as the facilitator. And because we had a high level of trust already built, I'd been working with this client for a few years, 
we were able to explore how do we reframe this concept and come up with a term that actually wouldn't have to be a trigger for the folks in the training. And we came up with a reframe of conversational assumptions. And so that's why I, you know, I want us to be using that term today instead of blind spots. And I know in the closing of our last episode, I actually said blind spots again, because it's so easy for us to just fall into patterns of speech that are commonly used. And we use metaphors to communicate concepts. And sometimes, you know, they can have really unintended meaning and impact. So that's what I'm coming in with today. Wow. That's just so cool. So two things. One, we can't be aware of our impact everywhere because we don't have the experiences of a lot of other people and how they live. So we have to live with learning that we have impact where we can't see it. So I really just want to take a second, Mary, to honor how you rolled with what looks a little bit like a correction from a client, because you accepted that feed forward from them in the highest light possible, when in the moment, it could have been humiliating, you could have gotten defensive about it. And instead, you just looked at it as, well, how can we pivot? So kudos to you for doing that and being present to the fact that both of you had that degree of trust and really wanted to build on trust to ensure that all the clients were able to take your content and grow with it. So flipping over to your introduction today, you talk about mapping relationships toward greater trust by navigating conversational assumptions. It's kind of a mouthful for me. So can you just drill a little deeper for me on two terms. One of them is, what exactly do you mean by navigating? And the other one is conversational assumptions. Absolutely. And I know sometimes we can kind of get bogged down in metaphors and sort of lose our way and like, what exactly are we talking about? So I'll Hang with this metaphor of the driving down the conversational highway just a little bit longer, and then we'll jump out of that car and be more concrete. So I like to describe these assumptions like that little bubble mirror on the side of your side mirror on your car that helps you and aids the driver in showing a different angle next to you. And so if we get out of the car into a conversation, what are we really talking about? What we're saying here is being able to provide support to a colleague or that reflection to ourselves to become more aware of the things that we may not see or they may not see. And so it, it can raise our awareness to the assumptions that we hold. You know, we can feel so alone in the space of a conversation because we might have created a situation where we're not connecting. And we can't figure out why we're not connecting. And what CIQ or conversational intelligence does is it shines light on conversations without judgment, but with compassion and trust. And it makes the invisible 
more visible. And that's the first step in checking our assumptions, making the invisible more visible. Yeah. And CIQ is really so much more than a tool or a set of tools that we use in one-on-one conversation. Conversational intelligence really is a culture. We have to be aware and bring the awareness out loud that there are things that we do not see and do not know. And conversational intelligence really requires us to hold that space for saying, I don't know, or having somebody highlight what I don't know or what I assumed. And I would hold that space even though it gets really uncomfortable because it's in that discomfort zone where change happens. That's the edge. It's where the greatest changes can happen. So let's take a look at these assumptions and approach it from a scenario and then look back and say, what assumptions did I maybe make in that scenario? Are you game? I think that's an excellent approach. Let's do it. Great. So I am working with my team and other people just do not understand my why. And they're not getting what I mean. There's no connection. Even though this is my team, we know each other. (laughs) Uh, We work together. And I keep explaining it and explaining it, sometimes using more volume in my voice, even though volume really isn't going to help anybody understand me better. And I see this actually happening a lot among teams of engineers and operationally minded people when they're interacting with people in more relationship-based or creatively-based departments. Yep. That is a perfect example of the trigger of this conversational assumption that everybody thinks like I do, or they should think like I do. And so when we get engrossed and attached to our own point of view, we're unable to connect with the other person's perspective. You know, if you're addicted to being right or winning a debate, during that conversation, you may subconsciously sense a lack of connectivity and kick into persuasion mode to try to go for the win. You're trying to win that person over. And whether the debate is real or perceived, that starts to trigger that neurochemical of dopamine. And dopamine releases what makes you feel good. And you may even realize in the process, though, you might have made the other person feel bad. Yeah. So this also loops back to thinking about the three levels of conversation and where we have this example of a level two conversation that is about an exchange of ideas defining my space and your space. And it becomes really persuasive and eventually turns into a tell-sell yell conversation because that moment of dopamine of I've made my point that it's actually addictive. (laughs) So I can really see where you're going with that. Let's take 
a look at another example, a scenario that I've experienced so many times where I say, I remember distinctly that, or we agreed to these things. And then after that conversation that I have so clearly in my head, something totally unforeseen transpires as though the conversation hadn't happened. So the other person has gone off and done something completely than what I thought we had agreed to. That is a classic example of you remember, therefore, you know. And this assumption is that you think you remember what others said, would actually you're remembering what you think about what others said. Researchers as early as 1957 published articles on the gaps in listening, and people actually drop out of listening every 12 to 18 seconds because the brain processes information so much faster than we can talk, so the brain's getting bored. So instead of slowing the brain down to the rate of the spoken word, your brain fills those gaps with other thoughts. So you say a word and then, oh, that triggers a thought in my head. And now your internal dialogue overrides the other person's speech. So you then are remembering what you think about what that other person said, because it's a stronger internal process and a chemical signal. Yeah. And that's when you see how important it really is to sync up what you just said and what the other person is experiencing by simply saying, what are you taking away from this conversation? So the examples that I think of are so often when somebody who is a subject matter expert on anything at all just launches into their conversation because they are so accustomed to speaking with colleagues who have the same level of knowledge and they speak using their regular language. And I am just trying to track with them. So I am literally checking out of what they say some of the time and trying to keep up with them. So the idea of saying, what are you taking away from this conversation versus saying something like, do you understand, really drives home the specifics of what people have grasped. Because if you say, do you understand, that just gets a yes, no answer, right? And off they go, <laughs> doing totally. something that yeah. was not what we expected. So I have another example that's really super present right now, given how organizations have had to downsize and cut costs and really get creative with budgeting. So I'm sitting in a budgeting meeting with my boss and her boss, who's the vice president, and I have already revised this budget multiple times. So I know it inside out and I'm really confident about how good it is, how solid it is. And the VP says, I think there's a big error in this section of the budget. It doesn't add up right. And I am frozen with 
nothing to offer. I had this budget, you know, backwards and forwards in my mind. And I, I really think I know enough to defend or explain or answer any questions at all. But I, I feel totally flat the moment she says, doesn't add up right. So what's wrong with me? <laughs> oh, Deb, this is such a painful experience. I have felt it. And I'm sure our listeners have felt this too. And it's a great example of this assumption of I'm too fearful to empathize. I'm too fearful to actually understand and consider this other person's perspective or their point of view. And, you know, research done by Giacomo Rizzolatti on the mirror neurons, and, you know, we talked about mirror neurons in a previous episode, and what these neurons do is they give us that view into someone else's thinking and feeling and intention, and when you're listening deeply, you can turn off your fear and judgment, but if you're not able to turn off your fear and judgment, you can't connect with that other person. The ability to connect is broken and your sensitivity to that other person totally recedes. It's, it's actually broken. So you can't connect to their understanding. Yeah. There's th this gap between us when people really seek connection all the time. And with all this talk about VUCA, so volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous, all these factors in the world today that really sound pretty scary. So that's another set of feelings that also influences how we interpret reality, right? So there are the outside factors, the VUCA factors, and then just what I'm trying to juggle personally. So the second set of circumstances that influence feelings are trust, history, and fear. And these can create freeze and appease responses like I had over that budget, even when you don't feel daggers or butterflies in your stomach. Sometimes something just disconnects. Yeah, just disconnects because the cortisol is pumping and you're in that primitive part of your brain which can't help you think with innovation or creativity or connection to others. Yeah. So at the end of the day and at the beginning of every conversation, we have to commit ourselves to being present and in the moment and embodying conversational intelligence so we have to be aware of the signals that our bodies are sending and respond appropriately to them, just like this freeze and appease mode that we just talked about. And in doing these things, we remap our relationships with other people by modeling it largely. We recognize in the moment that there's an assumption and that we've made and then I have to check in with myself about that assumption in order to create a new path to connect with this person. So we have to accept that we're going to have to be a little bit humble and 
mostly get super curious about ourselves and how much we can still learn from working with others toward a shared vision through a culture of conversations. Right. So well said, Deb. So listeners, we're kind of at that end of our episode, like we always do. Take a few minutes to recall a recent conversation. Did you feel like there was a complete misunderstanding happening? Could there possibly have been a conversational assumption at play? Wait a sec, Mary. I know this is the part of the podcast where we recall the juiciest parts of today's conversation, and I just hijacked your steering wheel. So listeners, (laughs) take a few minutes to recall a conversation that didn't go well. Did somebody kindly point out an assumption that you had made? And were you uncomfortable hearing that? Because it happens because we're human. And in that moment, you can always ask yourself, what would Mary do? And I'm here to tell you that she'd say the experience was enlightening and she'd mean it so sincerely. So take those moments on the edge. Remember that that's about growth and grow with those moments. Okay, Mary. You can take the steering wheel back now. Oh, Deb, thanks so much. And indeed, it was really enlightening that moment I had where I learned something and, you know, words create worlds, as we always say in our episodes. So we're going to move on to our next episode. And what we'll continue to do is ride down this conversational highway and explore a few more conversational assumptions that can cause conversations to go off course. So we look forward to having you along for another ride. Deb, thanks so much again for being a co-pilot today. Thanks, Mary. It's fun to ride with you. Thanks for listening to Elevating Conversations with your co-hosts, Deb Shannon and Mary Stella Tello. Do you want to continue this conversation? Well, hop over to our LinkedIn pages at Shannon Coaching or at Mary Stella Tello. You can listen to all episodes on either of our websites at debshannon.co and at vistaglobalcc.com. If you really like what we do, let's connect on Twitter at CIQ Shannon and at Vista Global Mary. We look forward to connecting with you on our next conversation.